Hey everyone, welcome to the Opera Sky podcast. My name is Ricardo Monegas and I will be your host. On this podcast, we would like to share valuable knowledge, lessons learned, and stories from entrepreneurs, investors, and managers while running their businesses. We strive to ask the right questions and discover insights from our guests so you can apply them in your business and life right after each episode. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hi everyone, today we're talking with Adela Plesnitschiker. She is the founder of Procrastination.com and also the co-author of the global bestseller, The End of Procrastination. As you can see in the titles, procrastination is a lot uh, located there, so you can imagine where the conversation is going to go. So we are going to try to remove procrastination of your life today, or at least start that journey. So <laughs> welcome, Adela. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for ha for having me. Thank you for warning everybody that it will make them stop procrastinating. I'm really looking forward to where the conversation is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, Adela, so um, yeah, how does it start this journey for you as a killer of procrastination? So it was something that you were born to fix, or yeah, how how it it works. <laughs> I think at some point in my life, I, I was an absolute procrastination pro. So then I transferred mm -hmm. to the <laughs> to the other side. Now, I think that the the topic somehow we always say in our company that people will be born and they will die and they will procrastinate. And those are the three good businesses to stay around with. Um, but I think that the, the topic is somehow it addresses everybody. And I always like traveling. I always like to get things done. I just never had all the things in um like organized and I never had everything in line. I never really understood how it all fit together. And then when I met um, Peter, the, the co-founder um, and the author of the, of the book, the, the end of procrastination, it just somehow nicely fit. What are the important things when it comes to motivation, as well as time management, as well as critical thinking and how it all clicks in, in a way to just have a happier life and, and really live um, to fulfill what you want to fulfill in life. And yeah. Somehow very strange how procrastination is, is just not about how to organize your day and your priorities, but as well how you live your daily life from the beginning to the end. So, yeah, that was a journey. Got it. So how does it look your daily routine then now? Because maybe that's where all the secrets are located. <laughs> Sure. So I woke up at five o'clock in the morning, then I take a cold shower and then my probiotics uh -huh. now. Heck no. <laughs> my days are a bit crazy, of course, at everybody else's. Um, I have this rule when I'm trying to do the 80-20. You know, everybody will always tell you to go 100% in and make everything perfection and aim for the stars. I say that 80-20 is somehow I'm, how I'm trying to get along. I have a two-year-old daughter and a company and a training, and I do travel a lot. So I'm trying to somehow keep everything in the balance. What I do definitely focus on every day is getting good sleep that I must say I do not cheat. So I try to be in bed without the screen, without everything at 10. And then I wake up around seven. I'm not saying at 10 that I'm going to sleep, sleep, but I read, I spend time with my husband. We, we talk, we, you know, we can just chill and everything, but the, the 10 o'clock that's, that's somehow to let your body know that it's a, it's a downtime. And then what I do always, I plan my day in advance. So then when I go to sleep, when I'm thinking of the 
three positive things when I'm journaling or anything. I'm really trying to already know what's happening tomorrow and be prepared for that. So it never happens to me that I wake up in the morning and there is either a super busy schedule or no priorities. Because if you have more than three priorities, you have zero priorities. Okay, that's just one rule that, that always works. Um, and so I think that the the scheduling, the the things, how things work, that is a key to me. And one other thing that I always live by, and that's doing the thing you really don't want to do first thing in the morning. So for example, dentist, I hate to go to the dentist. I always schedule it the first thing in the morning. I don't care that my mouth is going to be swollen for the rest of the day. I would otherwise totally like procrastinate or try to postpone it. So do the things you hate to do right in the morning. Have the hard talk, um, you know, let go of people or apologize or whatever it is. Just do it first thing in the morning when you have the most energy. I think that's something that works for me always. Great. You have mentioned in, in well, we can go in too many directions, but we will try to go step by step. So you mentioned that you are journaling at the end of the day. So yeah, what makes you to do this and what is the goal of journaling for you? And maybe if you can mention what is, if you have any structure for that, so how does it look? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with confession because lately I've been really slacking journaling. Um, we do have this um, festival, we call it the Grow Job Fest. You can visit it online. I can share a link with your listeners. But it's sort of like an online training that all of us um, in our company would be put together and we, we share once a year, like sort of our best off. And I really want to focus on, on the journaling. And what I did find out that I've really been slacking and I can tell when I'm journaling and when I'm not, when it comes to sort of my happiness. So I don't do this thing where I write, you know, pages and pages. I try to either follow something we call the flow list. So it's a tool that's from our book. Um, and it's just this idea of writing three positive things. When it comes to positive psychology, when you look for positive things, when you're not following a part of your brain that's called amygdala, so there is literally part of your brain mm -hmm. scanning for negativity day and night. So if you train it to look for positive things, if you're focusing on the positivity and you actually write it down, your body then in the long term, your brain in the long term looks for the positive things. So for me, the base of journaling is always just writing three things that I've seen. And they don't have to be huge things that I'm grateful for, like the, the life and eternity and whatnot. They can be just that I had a nice um, exchange with somebody or talk about something or that I caught a tram on time. Whatever it is, a smile of your baby or somebody else's success, just anything that that works. And then I find that when I'm already in the writing process, sometimes my brain just sort of leads me to somewhere. And then I'm thinking, okay, how about I write more about this? Or how about I write how I feel about this? And I feel a lot of the time because of the life we live in and it's overwhelming, it helps me to somehow organize my thoughts and sometimes, yeah even my, even my emotions. Um, by the way, if you're ever into writing and you don't know how to start, there is a great app called reflection. I think it's reflection. Mm -hmm. And what it does, it gives you everyday prompt to just be like, um, what are you grateful for? Or, uh, what is the first memory that you remember? Or what did you really hate or whatnot? And just gives you like a daily question. So if you don't know where to start with journaling, that can be a good sort of um, starting point for you. I don't know if you journal or if you like it, but... Well, I've been trying, but I do it one, two days, three days, and then stop because I 
I, I first of all, I haven't um, maybe found that framework as you're mentioning of this uh, positive way, because I feel like I was all trying to journal somehow what I feel in the day, but typically going into the negative, as you are saying, or or and then that's a problem, right? Because then mm -hmm. I feel like every day I will be just writing this saying if I'm just focusing <laughs> maybe in the long term or in what I want or yeah, what I would like life to be, right? But then. Yeah. I felt like, well, should I actually write? Because I feel I will just write the same. <laughs> Unless in the same perspective, in the different perspective you are mentioning of focusing into daily yeah, life great. and positive. If that's your maybe. perspective, that, that's great. I mean, do it. I'm not saying that you necessarily need to bitch every day for many pages about anything. But um, just sometimes the important thing with journaling is that The journal is there for you. It's not judging. It's not. It's not. It's not giving you anything. It's just. It's just there for you to sort of, um, you know, release your 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 um, memories and your your train of thoughts and stuff. So I think that even from your perception, that's anything to me is a good start. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But yeah, I think it's more about yeah how to keep the routine. If like going to the gym, right? Like how to be motivated is something that I haven't found that maybe is related to that negative aspect that I should focus more into the positive, like as you're mm -hmm. saying, right? That mm -hmm. maybe will bring me more value, right? And more post, like, yeah. Yeah. Because also maybe I saw um, journaling as well, but maybe it's by my mistake as something that if I do it, I will start getting other ideas of reflections that will bring me to some place or to some, <laughs> like to some reflection to, to actually then execute that. Right. Because I feel like journaling is the way to, okay, sit down and be calm and then think about something that maybe I'm not watching every day. If I am just running into work or something like that. I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense that it can work both ways. Maybe mm -hmm. in the morning when you have enough energy and you're thinking of a project, maybe you can journaling more and focus on the new ideas to come or seeing things from a different perspective, uh, different perception. For me, the journaling most of the time is really before to go to bed. So you know how there is a saying that don't go to bed angry. So a lot of the time I think don't go to bed with sort of negative, um, negative thoughts or you know, sort of the exhaustion at the end of the day. And as you talk about routines, there's so many things that we've already learned. Like you take the shower, you brush your teeth, you go to the toilet. And what our brains like, they like connections. So I try to make sure that everything that I do that I want to keep as a routine and keep it, I do it connected to one thing or another. So for example, it's always the same thing for me. I would take the shower, then um, I'll brush my teeth and then I go to the bed and there is my journal and I just write maybe two, three things, a word or anything. And that's it. And then, you know, I'll start reading. I So it's it's sort of a step-by-step. Step. And then when your brain sees this as a connection, it'll just naturally do all those things. So that's why a lot of the people maintain their workout, ride the thing in the morning because they wake up, they'll have a pile of clothes. They just put it on and, you know, they just start working out and then they go have breakfast and they journal and whatever. So I think that it's important to make things work like you step by step i love the workout in the morning of course my daughter wouldn't allow me because she is the first thing mm -hmm. that i go to in the morning and i have to wake her up and send her to school and all this but i think that if you find your step by steps you will see that it's much easier to keep the habits yeah yeah it's kind of the atomic habits uh, yep. stuff that you kind of exactly. concatenate it to to something that you already do right yeah yeah, yeah. good um yeah and 
so since you are uh, working a business or um, and of course attending customers so what what do you consider are your key values and something that maybe is non-negotiable in your way to proceed as a business person oh okay <laughs> interesting i always wonder if my business values and my personal are are far away from each other but um not 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 so much actually i think that the most important thing for me definitely will be when it comes to business it's definitely the the the, the values that we have so it's simple useful science based i want to make sure that whatever i do for companies is really simply explained it's nothing big it's not just stupid big wor big words that everybody repeats i want to make sure that they understand it that i'm giving them something tangible so the usefulness comes to the fact that they have tools they have something practical so when they come to my training or talk or they read our book they would say okay this is a great idea but this is as well a concept or a tool i can put into life tomorrow And the, the science-basedness, I feel like a lot of people are now all about science. And I'm here doing the air quotes um, for the people who are listening and not just looking at the video. Because the science, hey, is a, is a very broad term. And people like to say, oh, it's science-based. But it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's just sort of very loosely <laughs> used lately. So we're really trying to um, read a good research, work with leading universities and making sure that when we want to help people, we're really helping them. And when we say this is science-based, It's really an approach that works in the long term. And I feel like in the life now, everybody wants a very quick fix for everything. They want to be skinny tomorrow. They want to have 100% habits, uh, maintain journaling, you know, baking bread while being gluten-free and doing yoga five times a day. And it's just, it's just really stupid. Huh? It's really the long-term motivation and keeping the habits and, and fucking up and getting back. I'm sorry about the, the F-bomb. Um, but... Yeah, everybody always talking of, of winning, winning, but the most important thing is sort of failing and getting back up again. So I think that the, 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 the really coming back to what you ask, the values, they have to somehow circle the useful, simple science based. That's when it comes to the work. That's, that's where I'm standing. Good. Yeah, I can see that you are answering all the questions and everything, explaining in a really simple way. So I, I believe that, yeah, you're applying these. Yeah. Um, in this uh, journey, you mentioned you have a baby, uh, she's two years old now. So um, for someone who is in that journey as a mother, I, I think it's even harder, I think, as a mother, because the kid is depending a lot with, with women in these stages, right? So what are your recommendations into balanced life in those moments, at least till now, based on your short-term experience or based on... <laughs> Oh my God. I wish I had now have seven tips for perfect parenting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Very strangely lately, my answer is find a perfect partner. You said that all the kids are dependent on, on the mother or that the motherhood is really important. And here, I'm not just saying that it's mother, father. I'm not giving it a gender, but we always feel like the kid has a tendency to be with one parent. I am very grateful. I, I adore my husband, absolutely love him. And I feel that from the start, we were sort of, a balanced team. Okay. I carried the baby. I breastfed it. There is something he cannot do. Uh, but otherwise the, the wakings up, the caring, the understanding, the clothes, the shopping and all this, it's always been half and half. And I somehow find that it works really perfectly when it comes to the work-life balance and to the parenting balance and to the partnership balance in our relationship. Because for example, when the kid is sick, we're not having a discussion, your mom, you're staying with it. 
and I'm going to work. We're talking, okay, what are we going to do? What we can reschedule? Who can help us? How we can manage this? And at the same time, I feel like then we understand exactly what we're doing because I feel a lot of misconception or misunderstanding with partners where one of them is really just the taking care and the other on this business. And you would say, oh, but he's always working or she's always siding with the kid. And I somehow feel like that brings the problems. And one thing that I find with parenting that I, I really like is that with my husband, we always say that we're partners first. Like the kid is ours. We love her. Uh, she's a two-year-old. So of course she takes a lot of our time, but we want to make sure that um, we're, we come first. Like our relationship comes first, our, our, our life, our passion, our everything. And then, then we're parents and we're somehow trying to always stand the ground as the two of us. And then, then it's very hard for the little monster to just sort of tear us, a, tear us apart. And you know what? I feel lately there are a lot of companies in a lot of countries that are now understanding how important it is to give the freedom to mothers or more support to mothers. I love that, for example, Czech Republic really now allows you for the dad to take a paternity leave and for mom to take a maternity leave. I hope that very soon we're going to have um, marriage for everybody and that both partners can take as many leaves or as, as little as they want. So, um, yeah, I think that this this balance and trying to do it together, not just to have the stereotypical roles, that's something that seems to work for me, work for me in the long term. Great, yeah, yeah. I think it's more common, of course, to yeah to share more that and and remove that stereotype of someone taking care of the baby and someone just working, right? Because yeah. people is more also interesting in other parts of life, right? The career and hobbies or other topics. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Good. And you are living now in Switzerland, so and it's a different country of. of different than your home country right the czech republic so what have you learned in that journey and also maybe even related to this relationship with your husband and and your baby so i assume <laughs> well i am foreigner myself it's a bit difficult for me being <laughs> in a foreign country not having my side of the family support mm -hmm. so So how do you feel into that and how have you learned in that journey in that what have you learned <laughs> I like that you mentioned family because that's a, that's the only thing that really I'm missing here. We have, well, no families because we're here. We're here alone. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm missing. And, you know, there is this beautiful saying that it, it takes a village to raise a kid. And I feel like this group support of, of your parents and grandparents and having somebody to ask and somebody to support and have around, that's, uh, that's much needed. I somehow miss that a little bit as well, why it's important to be equal partners. Um, but when it comes to Switzerland, um, if you would have ever asked me where I would never, ever, ever live, I would say Switzerland. <laughs> if you ask me which language I probably hate and could never learn, the answer would be German. So, hey, now I am for <laughs> three years living in a German part of Switzerland. Um, you know, never say never. <laughs> um, I love it. It's it's really nice. I live in the area where there are a lot of mountains. So I'm, I'm loving this balance of a lot of sports, a lot of outdoor activities. Um, if you ask for any scientific research, they'll always tell you that uh, being outdoors and uh, and fresh air and all this, that's that's the that's the longevity uh, substance. So we need we need a lot of that. Um, but at the same time, I lived for the last, what, 19 years long term in, wow, 12, 15 countries. 
on four continents. So Switzerland is not my first sort of encounter with living abroad. Um, I think that it's really great in a way that um, I live in the part where there are a lot of expats. So I feel like the support chain here is strong. People really like to help each other. But at the same time, I'm struggling with the Swiss hospitality that is very um, sort of very nice, very cheerful. People are really, really nice here to you and welcoming. But at the same time, it takes a lot of time to get to really know them and get to be the part of the society. And I know people who have been living here for decades and they still don't feel like it's their home. I don't know how is it for you in Czech Republic. I feel like a lot of expats in Czech Republic, they already feel like at home maybe after a few years. Um, but in here, I think that it'll take us some time to to really become the the Swiss locals. Yeah, I think it's for me. I I, I more share with foreigners, to be honest, than with <laughs> local Czechs because, or or of course with the family of my girlfriend, right? But then um, it's not the same because they typically speak more Czech than English. Of course, they speak some English, but they are not that confident, right, with mm-hmm. with English. So yeah, I, my general feedback, I don't know if I feel at home <laughs> neither, right? Like, uh, of course, yes, I can live here. I like it, the city, I like the living standard and everything, but it's not the same feeling if I would have my parents and some cousins yeah. or something that you already kind of speak Spanish, for example, in my case, and yeah, yeah have more history together, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm compared to also with friends like even for example well maybe i i i met i used to have i came here because of an internship and then i have a person who kind of guide me in that process when i arrive right like my guide in that moment right Mm -hmm. and then um but but then i basically never have or i still keep in touch with her right but i never have more a deeper um relationship regarding friendship with her that i will meet her family or go out with some uh is the opposite if someone will come to venezuela for example where (laughs) you're originally from like a foreigner will come and they will uh, basically met everyone and the dogs of everyone and the families of everyone so so that that is a huge change of i don't know if, if i can generalize to entire europe but um or at least some part of europe i don't know <laughs> but yeah so uh but yeah so it's, it's different in that perspective right so that's yeah. you so, know what yeah. i'm always thinking that it's sort of an effort that has to be ba- made on my part because i'm the i'm the one th- that came here so i'm really trying to learn the language and the and the food and the customs and i am trying to be very humble by the fact that i can be here i got here really randomly my husband uh, uh works in Liechtenstein, so we live between Liechtenstein and switzerland um and i just like ended up here but i don't want to take that for granted so mm-hmm. i am really pushing myself every day this like step outside of my comfort zone trying to integrate integrate as much as I can and trying to speak to as many people as I can. And I mean, there is a reason why I'm here and I might as well not just look at it from the perspective of, Hey, I always be a foreigner foreigner or from the outside, but sort of be more grateful for what I have. On the other hand, I, I understand with the, with the family, of course, I wish I, I would see my family and, and my other Slovakian family from my husband more. And for you, it's, it's, it's even farther. And I'm sure that a lot of your listeners as well know how it is to not have everybody in one place. 
but it's today's world. Eh? We're just going to keep on traveling mm -hmm. more and everything's going to be weirdly closer and really farther at the same time. So to me, maybe this just humbleness for what we have and where we can be and the, the gratefulness that, yeah, it's just a new perspective and gives you a new point of view. That, that's sort of the mix that I'm looking for. Yeah, of course, of course. I am totally grateful on that. Also, it gives you a lot of perspective to live in a different culture. And so mm. and also, yeah, I mean, I can be grateful about simple stuff like, I don't know, that the tram passes at every a certain time and, <laughs> and it's basically the schedule. And that's it, right? So compared to my home country, it's like a disaster, the public transportation, right? So... So yeah, there are like this maybe little stuff that people give for granted or if they hear the track is delayed two minutes, you can see people piss off or something. So so yeah, it's like whatever, right? So. Yeah. But come on, everybody always has this feeling like the grass is always greener somewhere else. They're always asking me, where did you like living the most? Where's the best place in the world? I don't know. It's There is something great about every single place and life is going to swing you somewhere. And just, I travel all the time. I literally travel every day internationally because I work in Liechtenstein, I live in Switzerland, I go shopping to Austria and I'm always on the move. And then my best friend, she lives in Czech Republic. She's there. She doesn't want to travel. She loves it. She even moved from Prague to a smaller city. And that's it. That's the life for her. And I somehow feel like instead of thinking where it can be better or where the grass is greener, find what really works for you, for your family, for your values, for your job. And yeah, and just, just be there and, 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 and do it. And if it doesn't, ask yourself. We have this one tool in the book that we call meeting with myself. So every 14 days or every week, every month, we ask you to sit down, get a cup of tea or a coffee or beer or whatever. <laughs> and just think about like, are my values met? Where am I heading? A little SWOT analysis, a little where am I right now in my life? And do I want to keep on staying here? And we started doing this with my husband. So we're doing the same thing for our family. Like, are we happy here? Is this a place we want to be? And at some point, maybe when it's not, we can always move. And that's the, the, the awesomeness of today's world. You can just move to a different country. Huh? If you would have told that to somebody 100 years ago, they would probably laugh into your face. So, um, yeah, find the little positivities. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, that's a good point and a good uh, sad way to, to talk about Ikigai. So as a concept, because you mentioned yeah. something that you want to do and something that you like to do. So... Uh, I assume your ikigai is to travel around the world and meet people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you can tell us about that. What is your ikigai and how do you discover it? It was based on these trips or... <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the funny thing is when I teach people about ikigai, we're trying to, of course, explain that it's this Japanese concept and that it connects the four important things. What you like, what you're good at, what, you, uh, what does the world need and what you get money for. Um, and I always try to somehow combine it. And I feel like I've been always lacking some part of it. I definitely think I like Harry Potter the most. I am definitely the best at it. And the world definitely needs more Harry Potter, but I don't think anybody would ever pay me anything for that. So that's not, not technically my icky guy, but I think that my work and, and personal life connects the, the icky guy. So I do believe that the world needs more, um, sort of more 
um, critical thinking, more leadership, better talks of diversity and inclusion, better fight with procrastination, sort of the way how we learn, how how we work as a company, because my job is literally to help companies grow and with their um, with all, all their learning processes and stuff. So this part of educating the world based on science, that's the thing that the world needs. I really do like to speak at conferences. I like to train people. I like to be with people. I like to learn new things. Um, and I do hope that I'm good at um, sort of putting the science into practice and reading the books. And very happily, when we started procrastination.com, which is our company, it connected all of that because, yeah, I get paid for that. <laughs> so that that at the end is my ikigai. And now I love the fact that, yes, I love traveling. But at the same time, I still come back here to the mountains, to our sort of little city. Um, and I feel like when I lived in York or when I lived in China and all the cities were really busy, really hype up going, um, I was lacking maybe a little bit of the, the center and the balance. So now I love that I go to London and when I come back, I'm back in the mountains and I can just hike somewhere alone with cows and or with my daughter and my husband. So I, I like this Ikigai concept a lot, by the way. Thank you for mentioning it. I feel like more people should maybe with the meeting with themselves a few times a month or once a month thing like where is where is this icky guy of mine and and what can i do really to to just focus on it more because it really seems to be the one of the answers to the longevity not the crazy workouts and cold showers and 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 pills but the 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 purpose in life Mm -hmm. yeah so do you think that the start to remove procrastination of your life is to first make sure that you are in um, doing your ikigai or how does that journey start for someone who is listening to us into this mm. journey for them yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna a really easy quote that to me mm-hmm. sums up this ikigai and procrastination and just sort of mm-hmm. puts it in a very easy time a very easy frame it says that vision without an action is a daydream action without a vision is a nightmare Bear with me. A lot of the people are the, I have a vision. I want to change the world. I want to do this and this and this. But somehow they are in their bed, binge watching Netflix or scrolling on Instagram or not doing anything. So they have this vision, they have this dream, and they're literally not doing anything for that. Or there are the other people, the action without vision. So they're doing everything. Huh? They never sleep. They never rest. They, they, they just work, work, work their ass off, but they have no idea why. And I think that my procrastination was more of the, of the latter. Huh? I used to do a lot, but I have no vision. I had no idea where I'm heading. And so when you have your ikigai, it really helps you to understand what your vision is, where you want to aim in life. And because you love it, because you love this idea of sort of your future self or of where this ikigai can go, where your real purpose is, that's what's going to make you wake, you know, sort of get out of the bed or, um, you know, not, not watch another, another episode of, a, of, a, of, of, I don't know, Hulu or Netflix or an Amazon Prime. And so... To me, this is sort of like a, a little guiding point. And I'm not saying that I'm never procrastinating. Oh my God, I do, of course. And I binged watch Ted Lasso. Like, uh, you don't, if you have never watched Ted Lasso, hard for me to say it out loud, but definitely one of my favorite TV series I've ever mm-hmm. watched. Um, so <laughs> do, do procrastinate from time to time, but understand that for the long-term happiness, for your life to really make 
um, sense, you have to have this purpose in life and purpose in your job. And Ikigai, the concept is something that seems to bring the, the both. And please don't forget when you have a partner, when you have a family, that this somehow has to work for all of you. I feel like a lot of the time it's it's an important thing to sit down with your partner and talk about, hey, like, are the values similar for us? Um, because then if you know what you want in life, it's so much easier not to just, you know, procrastinate it and, and postpone it and just really do what you have to do. I hope I explained myself correctly. It's just that this is something that my heart beats for. So I get way too excited about that. Yeah, I think it's clear. I think it's, uh, yeah, just maybe one of the points is we get is that you don't watch Netflix much. So that's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So um, yeah, I think it's really valuable. I think it's more about, as you're mentioning, it's more like a balance, right? Between, of course, you need to have a vision, right? But you also need to execute in that vision. Yeah. But also you need to have some rest right between this <laughs> process yeah. because and go and talk to the cows in the mountains in Switzerland and so on. So um, hey, there are cows in Czech Republic too, huh? I mean Yeah, I think but there I'm are less your animals your animals to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are less there, but I don't know, maybe I'm biased because yeah, I, I like Switzerland as well because of the mountains and go and, and see the cows, right? But yeah, I think um yeah, yeah, but I it can be seen. it can be a mushroom picking or staring into yeah, the yeah. wall. It's, it's it's okay. Just people need to really understand that it's important to relax. And I feel like, especially because of I'm traveling and I'm talking of the topic of procrastination, I always think that that people have a tendency to ask me or think about me that I have everything 100% in order, that I never procrastinate, that I have the answer of everything in the world. But that's that's stupid. You know, when I was young, I thought, oh my God, when I'll be in my 30s or 40s, I will be grown up. I will know what's happening with life. God knows, you know, it's like, heck, heck no. It's just like nobody ever has the ultimate answer for everything. And I think that we all want to have all the answers. But the most important thing is really to keep on searching and always asking yourself, like, am I doing this correctly? Can I improve? Can I maybe do something for somebody else and not just be self-centered? Um, so, yeah, to me, the, the ongoing discovery is definitely more important than the all the correct answers. Okay. And yeah, coming back to the question I made before, like, do you, what are your, let's say, imagine you are starting to collaborate with me as a manager of a company, right? And you, and I don't know, I am procrastinated and I am just, I don't know, I'm doing something else that is not aligned to the priorities of the company, right? So mm -hmm. how, yeah, how does this process start uh, with the collaboration with you, with procrastination.com and your services? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what would be the first steps to towards removing procrastination mm -hmm. for for a manager? Yeah, and understand so more more to the business from the from the uh, personal life. So I think that for uh, for us, uh, the most of the conversation, especially with me, because my clients are really the the Fortune 500 or the huge companies, mm -hmm. they start either with a meeting with the HR or meeting with the L&D, so meaning learning and development. Um, one of those departments are most of the time uh, the people that I address and that I talk to. Um, you would think that I sort of uh, give them the list of the trainings we do and they'll pick one, uh, but it's more of a longer conversation where we try to hop on the call and we talk about 
maybe what are there people missing? What are the company values? Where is the mission and vision? If they are aligned or not? Um, what are the what are the ongoing problems? And what what is it that we need to solve? My favorite customer definitely would be somebody that I work in with a with a long term. Um, so there is not just, hey, we're going to come up and do one keynote about procrastination and then go home. But maybe we can do one keynote about procrastination, see how people like it, if they if they respond to it, and then, then have more trainings. And so a lot of the time we start exactly trainings on um, how to understand the, the values and the mission. So company culture, we do a lot of trainings about leadership, um, a lot of trainings on the cross-cultural training, so the diversity and inclusion and then, of course, learning new habits, overcoming procrastination, sales, communication. And I somehow feel that the healthiest companies, their L&D or their HR team really understands what their employees need. And then they hire us and they already know, like, hey, we really need you for these and these services. Or they would tell us, hey, how about you come, you watch how we work um, and, and you suggest um, what we need to do. So uh, sometimes my job as well, it just comes to an observation or when I when I just spend a time with the team and then I would say, hey, this is the this is the the, the focal point. This is what we need to work on in the long term. And then we do a collection of, of workshops or seminars or trainings. Um, yeah. So most of the time, the, the pinpoints where I'm looking for are either HR or L&D. Um, or maybe founders of some companies that really understand what the employees need. Got it. And if do you also, or you personally, or someone else from your team of procrastination.com, um, uh, do individual consultancies more like, uh, because you mentioned a lot of workshops, right? But mm -hmm. which, of course, is good to inform people. But then if someone wants to collaborate with you from the point of view of, Okay, I got, I want someone who guides me on the way or ask me the right questions as a coach. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we do, yeah, we do how... have, we do have that. We are, we now have a lot of uh, uh, trainers and consultants. I do have a um, lot of colleagues who are literally more focused on the the one on one than just the workshops. But again, it uh, it depends. I think that all of us do at some point the the one on one training. Um, not necessarily coaching, but uh, the training. I do have a tendency mostly working with founders or the, the, the CEOs of, of companies when we talk of leadership and management. But I do have uh, I do have colleagues that are focusing especially on self-development and then maybe learning new habits or find what your real mission or purpose in life is. Um, and I do have colleagues that as well, even though they're based in Czech, speak a bunch of languages. So I think that the one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one training and the trainings we do, we do in, I don't know, 10 languages or, or how many. So Spanish being one of them, if you ever need. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, um, regarding what now, let's say, imagine one of your colleagues is, is talking with one of these um, managers or founders and So do you have, any, how do they start the sessions with these people? So it's, it's something that first the focus is to find the personal vision, then to, to go to some tools and then execute on that. So do you have this kind of a step-by-step -step process that maybe will help someone to, to understand yeah, the mm -hmm. specific practical terms of, of this process? Yeah. yeah. So that's a... Uh, that's a sort of a maybe maybe a little bit difficult question to ask it, mm -hmm. it depends on what are the points of entry into the company cooperation of how mm -hmm. how we start working with them but 
the, the approach most of the time is um, sort of pinpointing something that's that's difficult, what the science knows about it, making some sort of an aha point, get to the notions that everybody understands what we're talking about, and then find a solution, bring some very practical tool that people can use on a daily basis, and then make sure that we put it into practice. So at the end of the, the workshop that I would do with a company, the happiest outcome would be that I really understood what the underlying issue was, that we would all try our best to solve it and that the people are literally leaving with the tools that they can use tomorrow and start using them tomorrow. And that's something that would in the long term help the development of the company. So mm-hmm. my, I don't know, for example, the, the clients that we work with in the longest run that are years and years, I don't know, five, six years, we're working with them. Most of the employees would already been to workshops with me or some of my colleagues. They have a, they know that they can always reach out to their L&D and say, hey, we really think that we're lacking now in a critical thinking. How about we reach out to growjobprocrastination.com and we tell them, hey, do you have a, do you have a training on, on critical thinking? And I would tell them, yeah, I have a colleague named Lucas. He's the literal um, a guru when it comes to critical thinking. So how about you tell him what you need? And then every single training we do is always tailored. So it's not, I don't, I don't even think I've ever used the same slides twice. I always try to um, spice it up or pimp it up with something, but mm. it's, it's always listening really to what people need. And I feel like that's the, that's what the company is now starting to understand that they just don't want the old school training with the PowerPoints and the Excel sheets and whatnot. They really want to bring something that's a hands-on practice and something that helps in the long term for for their teams and how do you measure that the progress of people is happening which i assume is hard right but is there any way that you kind of at least have a feeling that yeah for example critical thinking like mm-hmm. how do you detect that someone that's... is improving in critical thinking Maybe a hard uh, question, sorry. It's, but... <laughs> it's no, 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 I, I love it. I, I love your questions. Nothing is worse than a vague question, so it's, it's, keep, keep them coming. Um, I think that it's something that in the, within the big company, that's sort of a harder process. You always can do something like a strength finders or measurements or Gallup, Gallup, um, um, Gallup monitoring that will see how people are moving, if they're learning something, if they're growing in their competencies. But I think that the most of the time, the most reliable thing is to have, we do have a set of questionnaires where we're asking where people are moving, um, what what are some of the tools that work for them or whatnot. That's why as well, like the long-term cooperation where it's not just one workshop, but we can really work with the people in the long-term. And I have a tendency to have somebody once or twice visiting some of my workshop and then saying, hey, Adela, we talked about this and this. And now I can tell that these are my uh, these are some of the places that we're lacking as a team or these are one of my weak skills, something where I need to improve. And they would already start communicating and having a good self-reflection. So the as you mentioned, the critical thinking, just the fact that they now can see themselves from a different perspective or learn to say, hey, I don't know, or I don't understand this, or I've made a mistake. They're improving in their communication. That already speaks a volume. That's maybe why I am really focused on the, the cross-cultural communication and the, and the leadership, because I feel like those two things, they have a vast impact and very hands-on right now impact, because you can literally tell people are changing from one day to another um, and they're doing it themselves. Like that's that's their hard job that they put in, and I, I really appreciate it. And do you feel like, for example, if you're doing the workshops in English, right? I assume, and then uh, if you are doing a workshop for someone who is uh, living in Switzerland, 
or in other country that their main language is not English? Do you see that there is more is more complicated for them to understand the terms or move forward, or is something you see naturally is okay? Or I think that if you like, if you have a certain level of language, mm -hmm. um, let's talk now English, um, then it's easy to understand. I, I would never, I, I don't use big words and inspirational quotes that would have to take ages to explain. I do strongly believe in simplicity. And that's, that's why it's sort of a core. So this idea is to say, okay, um, you don't understand something, you haven't had a chance to get something, or you're missing something, talk to me. And when I speak too fast or I'm using words that are not clear, people would always tell me. And I think that the language generally is not that much of a barrier. Um, and I mean, for example, for Czech companies, of course, we have Czech trainers. We're always trying mm -hmm. to give somebody a trainer that speaks their home language. Um, but no, I think the the sort of the openness and the authenticity of people, it's just it just seems to work and i'm very glad when somebody puts their hands up and they say hi i didn't under i didn't get it or i didn't understand the concept can we go through it again um when that's a language barrier that's it's totally fine okay okay um yeah now i will move away a bit towards the the practicality of collaborating with with you as a company right but then we can talk about maybe some of the topics that <laughs> uh, you are discussing in those workshops. I've been watching some of your YouTube videos and and so on. <laughs> and and yeah, it has been really interesting to see. And of course, I've tried to apply some of these concepts or, or be aware of those concepts. But of course, in their everyday life, sometimes you get lost into it, into it yeah. and then you forget about them. Um Maybe we should we can start talking about well you already kind of mentioned it before like you have this concept of organizing your next day in the previous mm -hmm. day right mm -hmm. and you talking one of your videos about the to do today list Yay. which which kind of differ from here making notes of. <laughs> a lot of notes and notes of what you need to do and you just see the list growing and growing right how the um, <laughs> so how does it look for you this list like when you sit down in, during the night and then think about the next three days mm -hmm. like if we can talk about why is this important and also how do you connect this with the long-term goals? Because that's something maybe someone can struggle, right? How do you mm -hmm. connect tomorrow's activities with the long-term and that they kind of making you arrive to those goals, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the to-do today, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite tools. You can do it online, by the way. You feel free to use a... I don't know, Excel sheet or draw it, draw it on your iPad or anything. Um, I do like to use it with a, with a pen and paper. Um, so this idea of the to do today. So why not having a list? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a answer number one. So when you have a list of things to what to do tomorrow, what happens is that it just keeps on adding and you never finish it and you just do it tomorrow and the day after and the day after. What happens as well is if you go to a list, your brain sees the list of an overwhelming length and you have something called the decision paralysis, meaning you are paralyzed by so many options that rather than doing one, you do none. Yeah. The moment you have to pick from A or B, you have a tendency rather to do nothing. And so the longer the list, the more the tendency for you to postpone it or not do it. 
So the to do today works in a way that you have visual um, sort of more like a mind map in front of yourself. Um, by the way, if you go to our website, procrastination.com, you scroll down their materials, you know, feel free to get this to do to today uh, list for free with explanations of how to use it. And what you do is you're always trying to set your priorities, your times, and sort of the path that goes alongside your day. So no matter where you are in the day, you always know what you have done and what's going to come, what's ahead of you. And if something changes, like your kid is sick or you go to a dentist or something, you know where are your priorities, what you need to reschedule, what you need to reorganize or what you need to do right now. It not only helps you with the organizer and the structure, but it helps you with the priorities. And now um, when you talk about having the sort of long-term goal and how to manage this in the long-term. So I have the, the to-do today. That's more of the, literally the tasks for tomorrow. What's great that if you do them the day in advance, as I said, your brain is more calm, more organized because it knows what's coming. But what's great as well is then um, when something comes up, for example, an email from somebody or an idea for a podcast or for a project, I don't necessarily need to put it on my to-do today mind map. I can say, okay, I have a backlog of maybe ideas or I put it in my calendar. And it's like this whole system, which, by the way, we call the, uh, the to-do system that, again, you can, you can uh, get for free on our websites. But it's this idea of how you deal with the... Uh, a notification with an email, with the calendar schedule or with your long-term vision. And so when I'm scheduling uh, my days or my weeks, when I'm thinking more of like, what clients do I take or do I not take? Um, or my travels are going to lead me or not lead me. I'm trying to say again, is this going alongside with my value? Is this a part of my guy? So for example, I would have a client that I really like and I have to leave for one week away from my daughter. Um, I would do it for one. I would not do it for another. So if that's a company that my heart beats the same same beat with them, I really love them. I love working with them. Um, I feel like they're changing and, and, and it's a great cooperation. I'm very happy to leave for a week. But if that's just something that's a business and I don't care how much money they want to spend, it's a no-go for me. So the long-term vision and values are more of like your sort of a questioning, your, your compass, your answers to uh, when you need to ask, should I be doing this or not? And then your to-do today is more of a daily schedule and a daily harmonogram that helps you to answer, what do I need to do now and for the rest of the day? Okay, yeah. so you're mentioning that in the long term, your daily activities needs to be aligned with that long-term Definitely. values and also... Definitely. Yeah, because like if you want to wake up in the morning for some reason, you need to do what you love. And it's not always easy. I hate Excel sheets. For example, it's death by Excel for me. I just I just open it and I'm a blah. So the day I have to do my taxes or my invoicing or anything, it's I, I hate it. But I understand that my long term is to travel the world, um, teach people, train people, learn more myself. And if I wouldn't do this, then that wouldn't happen. So then even the hard things that you hate are easier to overcome because you understand why you're doing them in the long term. Mm -hmm. Good, good. And yeah, how do you, maybe another, yeah, can you mention any other tools that people can use into, into this process of mm -hmm. removing procrastination based on, on the book and or one or two that you consider are the most yeah. important to yeah. follow up in your everyday activities? Apart mm -hmm. from the to-do list, uh, to 
to do today list yeah not the to do list please <laughs> Um, so one other one other tool that I like from our book, it's called the Habit List. It's something that teaches you how to learn new habits. Is this idea where you set certain uh, certain habits you want to learn, and then you repeat them, you write it in the in the day. And I love that writing the Habit List is on my to do, and then having the Flow List, which is writing the three positive things, like the positive journalist, again is a part of my Habit List. So if you read our book, you will understand how all the tools sort of click into your daily base, and they just become something that you do sort of unconsciously, repetitively. What I do love lately, and it's not our tool, and that's something that, wow, I would always speak uh, volumes about, is the program called Notion. I felt like I had a lot of things in Monday in Asana. I used Trello. Um, I used uh, I used Mailchimp. I used Canva and all this. And now I feel like everything is in my Notion. The fact that I can chain things and templates and share them and do the Kanban and not that's just something that's amazing. And it's not like if you're visual, if you're strategical, if you're IT, if you're an uh, interior designer, Notion is to me a program that just seems to always connect everything very easily to me. So for maybe if you would talk to me a year ago, I would give you a list of maybe 10, 15 tools that I'm using on a daily basis lately, except of course for my chat, um, chat GTP um, it's Canva and it's Notion and I have all the plugins in both. So for example, our newsletter that I do on MailChimp, I do in Canva and it's just a, a MailChimp plugin. Um, how I organize it with my marketing team, it's something that I do in Notion. And I know I'm saying a lot of words for maybe if uh, some of the listeners don't know, but if you want to simplify your life, uh, maybe having a journal, having a to-do list, uh, having, um, um, having a cooperation with somebody or some project or a good brainstorming, go notion and it's free for for the start unless you were doing some huge cooperation um and just everything is organized there and what i love this connected to by the way if any of you like to read it's a book called um my second brain from uh, tiago forder or building my second brain and his para method which is which is amazing it has been an absolute game changer for how i keep my files, how I organize my drive, how I organize even my thoughts and, and, and memories and all this. So um, the, the second brain by Tiago Forte and the, the Notion, uh, Notion app or Notion, uh, Notion program, those are the two things that I, I strongly suggest if you want to stay organized and do it your own way. Yeah, Have it done by you for you. I think that's the most important thing to stay authentic to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was um, at starting to listen to this book of uh, Tiago Forte, yeah, but I haven't finished it because I'm typically listening to multiple books at the same time, which maybe is bad as not following any of your advice to procrastination. <laughs> no, no, do. I, li I listen to more books too because I cannot drive and listen to Tiago Forte. I listen to him as well. And when I drive, I cannot make notes. So I have a tendency when I drive, I do listen to things more like Walter Isaacson. We talked of journaling. Mm -hmm. So he, he mm -hmm. makes the perfect journal. I'm now listening to uh, Leonardo da Vinci it's it's fabulous or his innovators uh yeah all his books i, I i'm i'm daydreaming I'm, I'm still focused on the driving but i can my brain can go <laughs> somewhere else but i have to make notes so uh tiago is more for the the hikes or, or walking when i can at least make make little notes i'm happy that you're listening to it as well any suggestion for a book from you that i should listen to or or read what did you like lately oh wow um well let me check my audible now <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is that I have kind of a mess because I am listening to podcasts 
as well, mm-hmm. different podcasts as well. And I, I am interested in different topics. One of them is health, longevity, finance, uh, <laughs> biographies as well as you're saying. So, so yeah, it depends on my, how I feel about my mood in that moment. Then I select mm-hmm. one of them. Um, so, for example, I am listening Outlive from Peter Atia that is mm-hmm. about longevity and yeah, but it's more what he calls medicine 3.0. So, so yeah, I'm trying to yeah take the knowledge of that and then do that here, like try to be, do more medical tests for me and so on, which is difficult with the system in the <laughs> Republic, <laughs> but that's another topic because yeah I understand uh, but, yeah like how do you my my feeling on that is like yeah you you ask the doctor hey i want a order to make a block testing and they are telling you well you first need to come here and then we will send you an order request and it's like okay i don't want to waste more time with you just to go there and then the test which said just send me the order and i just do the test and then we meet about the result right or something like that so, so yeah, but that's another topic. <laughs> also, <laughs> I listened to another book. It's called Excellent Advice for Living by Kevin Kelly. It's oh. really, um, it's because I listening also to podcasts from Tim Ferriss, right? And Kevin mm-hmm. Kelly is one of guests there. I don't mm-hmm. exactly know what Kevin Kelly does, to be honest, but <laughs> but it's really interesting what um um. Yeah, the stories and the this book is basically he just made imagine you are reading a book of notes that is just a small quotes and the book is just those quotes like it can be silly stuff like uh, I don't know uh, I don't know what are your plans every day <laughs> yeah or I don't know right so so but but it's interesting to see the mindset and of, of other people yeah, yeah what, i like that so yeah a little unorganized uh, thoughts are very important as well yeah so yeah it's, it's maybe it's yeah, it's too messy now on, on on books for me but yeah it's uh yeah as i said i just do it like okay i want to listen to something more relaxed now or something that is going to make me laugh then i just see some or listen to some humor uh, something like yeah a comedian or something or i just listening to a podcast or i just listening about formula one that i follow as well and then what is happening there and yeah yeah so it's it depends into that i like that i think it's very important to have a broader um sort of um more more hobbies or more things where you're focused not that it's not important to go very deep in something that that's important for you for me i definitely have certain topics that i think that i'm slowly becoming hopefully sort of an expert on but at the end of the day i love formula one as well i love harry potter learning about arts learning about hiking strategies for running i hate running i can't run i read all the books about running it's never gonna happen but at least i give it a shot and i and i tried and i to see i try to see the new perspective and i feel like the moment you're allowing yourself to maybe wander and venture into different different corners and different uh, subjects that's uh that that's really important yeah maybe last recommendation for me at this is like i i also have a subscription to masterclass.com 
Oh, I love it. I do too. And yeah, that's also nice because you you kind of see these big names, people, and they are everyday problems that maybe or that you believe they have everything figured out, but then they say, I don't know how to do X or I just figured it out or uh, and yeah, yeah, it's always nice to to have this, let's say, training, but it's not training, right? But to understand their mindset. And also yeah. you can take tools out of that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Masterclass, uh, by the way, that, that goes to you and to all your listeners. If you have any suggestions for what to listen to at Masterclass, I, I love it. One of, I, I used, I, I really like the one by... Uh, uh, by Chris Voss. He's a CI negotiator. Yeah. He wrote the book, Never Split a Difference. Um, and I really enjoyed not only his masterclass because it's it's based on the book, but now masterclass is those series that it's called like a crisis or something. And it talks about a day in somebody's life. And the Chris Voss here talks about some hostage situation and how he reacted. And I love the blunt honesty. There is Condoleezza Rice talking about how it was through the September 11th, which was uh, yesterday was the anniversary. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's quite an interesting thing to watch the, watch all, not just the master classes, but all the little classes around and then just sort of see things from a, from a different perspective. Yeah. Oh my God. And Chris Hatfield on the, the astronaut on his space missions. Yeah. yeah <laughs> now you yeah. make me want to go watch more more master classes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I think I feel like now is that you have too much information, so you need to be is more about yeah that you can still but yeah you still not need to kind of define maybe per topic what who you will follow or what because of course is is there is a lot of the information there but but yeah it's always good to. One of the purpose of that is also to take how in other industries or other personalities are washing the world and then maybe that will apply to your world, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as well it's uh yeah, it's just important to to find something that you like, what you prefer, what you want to learn, because a lot of the time people just get onto this like you know phase or move or wave of like now everybody loves huberman everybody wants to uh do this and that and and somehow when you always follow the crowd you're only going to go as far as the crowd goes so find your things find what you love and then you know start reading a book and don't finish it it's okay it's uh if you don't like it everybody loves it that's 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 just fine i've learned this the hard way i'm always the person who has to finish the book or finish watching the movie and then i'm like what have i just watched that's just so (laughs) stupid um yeah so just finding your own way most important definitely yeah i think it's about finding that one sentence or one phrase who will basically change your life or maybe or help you a bit right maybe that's more about that yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah so maybe we will go to other topics that i i i've saw in your videos uh you were talking about uh, how to save the war and how to prevent the donning kroger <laughs> effect <laughs> so can you explain us what is the donning kroger effects and how we should avoid it in our everyday life so because maybe if i'm watching two master class too much master class i will say i am better than i don't know lewis hamilton or <laughs> i can do that <laughs> or steph curry of course i cannot <laughs> 
I totally feel you on that one. Well, first of all, I just want to tell to everybody who's listening and don't know me, I, I promise I did not make a video about how to save the world, okay? <laughs> uh, although I wish that maybe one day I will, and that, that can be a good dream. Um, it was the idea behind the video was that um, we wanted to say that a lot of the times we're thinking of um, of different things that are happening in the in the world that are really really bad and are changing uh, changing you know sort of what, what we do and how we see things. But one of the underlying problem is something called the, the Dunning Kruger effect. So it's literally um, a research uh, that was uh, done by guys called Dunning and Kruger, and what they discovered is that we as people have like certain lack of knowledge and skills in certain areas but we do not know that we do have we were lacking those skills so meaning we're really overestimating our own competencies so exactly you would watch a master class about uh, for example a CIA negotiator Chris Voss or you would watch another Chris Hatfield about how to uh, fly a spacecraft and because you know very little about it but you've already sort of watched this master class you will feel like oh yeah I, I'm, I'm really good at it I really know everything about it and so the Dunning-Kruger they did this research um, they talked to people they asked them to, to tell jokes and to sing and they tell them like how well do you think you did and they found that the people who really had the lowest skills they have a tendency to overestimate themselves and so that's a lot of the time when I don't know there is a world championship in football everybody thinks they're the best referee yeah? or their elections so everybody out of nowhere understands the elections and are the best political commentator and this is the tendency in our world that we read one information or we learn a very little and we think like we know a lot. And when you talk to somebody who really, I don't know, has a PhD in neuroscience or um, really has like a vast knowledge and you would ask him, do you think that you know everything? They would tell you, yeah, probably, probably not, because they are so far in understanding of the subject that they see how huge and vast it is. And they would sort of bring the humbleness and will tell you, I don't know. And so that's why uh, why we made this video, why we're trying to tell people as well, part of the, the critical um, thinking training is learn how to say, I don't know, or I don't have an opinion. Somehow lately people have to know everything and have to have opinion about everything. Uh, what I think about American politics, I don't know. If you ask me as a, as a friend, I would probably tell you how I feel. I live there, so I can tell you some of my own um, subjective uh, perspectives, but I would never guess that I know so much about politics or about football or about whatnot. So um, the Danning Kruger, a great thing, by the way, uh, search, uh, Google it right now if you guys are listening and, and learn, learn more about it because this idea of, of our competencies and of our skills, it's, it's a huge mishap. And yeah, we do have a tendency to overestimate ourselves from time to time. And it's, it's important to just sort of stay humble and say, I don't know, and, and learn more rather than speak, speak more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found that one way to, to, be, is to stay humble, for example, I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson and his YouTube videos. And then you give you this kind of perspective of the universe and stuff like that, <laughs> that kind of gives you this perspective well. I mean, what we are doing is yeah. like nothing compared, like, compared to the past of the universe. But I mean, maybe this is, it was made more as a joke, but. <laughs> the... No, no, he has this, he has this book for, what is it called? Like a, a theory of relativity for busy people or something. And it's a very thin book. And mm. exactly, you finish reading it and you're like, hmm, I think I know what, what you're talking about. And then it's like, <laughs> no, no, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I think 
that's as well important to surround yourself with the people that know a lot about certain subjects. And I feel like the best bosses of best companies hire people who are smarter than them. And they just know how to collect people who each have some skill and then they put them together. That's leadership. A good boss is not a person who knows yeah. everything. It's a person who can motivate and lead people and take care of his people. And those are better than him at a lot of things. And the, the collective is what makes the results. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it was interesting because that would be a good way to qualify if you should join a company or not, because then how open they are to accept that they don't know something or or that they yeah. are still figuring out something, right? So maybe yeah. that should be something part of, imagine if you are looking for a job, then that you actually ask the interviewer, okay, <laughs> how is the culture related to to not knowing something is your boss accepting that he doesn't know everything or <laughs> yeah we get hired because the companies have a football table and a canteen and uh, because you know everything is great and colorful but then we leave because the bosses are crap so to me if i would ever ever get uh, want to get hired into a company and not work for for hours i would definitely more look for the Um, the company culture or the values they stand for and for the values of the boss I should be working with rather than anything else because that's what's going to keep you at work. That's what's going to make you happy um, and sort of, uh, yeah, that really that really is underlying your purpose and your ikigai, the, the boss and his values and the fact that you click with the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, Adela, can I ask you, do you have like seven more minutes? or Sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> So sure. maybe we we will go to maybe two more questions and then yeah um yeah I, so maybe my my question next is more focused into yeah into procrastination.com and the book so imagine if someone wants to start their journey as a business person now so what would be your recommendations to start like or imagine <laughs> that you are going to start another company from today Mm -hmm. How would you do it? What would be your steps? I know it's really big question, but it's like, yeah, try to bring it to some, what you would do this week to figure it out. Uh, yeah. If this that's is a the million, business That's a million go. dollar question there. Uh, I wish I knew the exact <laughs> answer to. I think that, again, uh, 50% of the people that would ask me if they should start a company, the answer will be don't do it. <laughs> Because uh, the amount of companies that start every day and burn to the ground, that's 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 huge. I feel like uh, the biggest issue, at least what I've seen and maybe where I would go differently now starting a company, I think like we start something and we feel like, oh, we have to have the business cards and the website and the and the the pamphlets and the and I don't know the the uh, tax and the company set up and and uh, LinkedIn's and whatnot. Um, but really, at the end of what you need in the business is just having your viable product. Yeah, if you have a product and you're doing something that's that's unique, people will buy it even if you don't have a company set up yet. They will wait for you to set it up tomorrow. They will wait for you to have a website. They would they would wait for you to to um, to make it happen. But people have a tendency that it's like, oh, I want to start my business. They want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's that's the today's dream. But they really don't know what they are doing or if that thing that they're doing is going to going to be sold or received well and if that's going to be yeah, viable is the word that I'm looking for. Um, mm. So I would definitely invest more into the maybe. Um, 
maybe like a, a customer research or seeing like the market profitability, I would more look into um, what are my competitors uh, doing if, if I'm really, if that's a unique proposal of what I'm having or if that's some, somebody I would need to compete with. And then if that's a great idea, but how long this idea can last. Like, for example, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of the book. Yeah, So our book and why I love it and why it's a, a great product, I hope, is because people are still going to procrastinate. New people are going to start their universities. People are going to get, people will, will you know, be born and die and they will procrastinate. It's an ongoing uh, thing. Not, not your baby. Your baby is not going to procrastinate. No? I think she will. I, 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 will, <laughs> I will force her to. <laughs> what I mean, it's it's an ongoing thing. So there's still going to be new and new um, customers for that. If you now write a book about social networks, the book is going to be dated in a year because the social networks are going to change. If you're, on the other hand, are going to start a company teaching people about how social networks are, how they develop and what are the new trends, that's a good thing. Yeah, so seeing somewhere not just hey, can I get into the green numbers or the the, the black numbers in the in the year, but what am I going to do in two years, in three years, in in ten years, and you know, and that's what I would think more about than having the per- perfect brand or having the the name or having the website because hey, the the biggest phone seller in the in the in the world is called after a fruit. You know, if you mm-hmm. would tell somebody uh, <laughs> 20 years ago that you're going to be called an Apple and sell the most phones, they would be like, yeah, sure, that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. But so so I would definitely I would definitely focus on that. And I think that a lot of mistakes I made as well as a, as a business person is that I try to think more of what what people that I know, what would they think about it? Or um, just looking at the at the at the market just in Czech Republic or just in Prague. I would not see it from the broader perspective. And I feel as well, ask more people about your product. Yeah? Ask them for their opinions. Uh, try to dig for some some negativities and stuff because we have this idea. We love our project. Yeah? That's our baby. We want it to work. So we're only seeing the positive. We have the pink glasses on. So I would definitely hire people that would just hate on my project and <laughs> help me to discover the things that I need to overcome and do better. Mm-hmm. Good. And if, if you want to at least in the Czech Republic or in any other place, where would you find these people who will hate your, um, <laughs> or try to make bullets to your issue and then try to find the issues, right? So is yeah, there well, any ask... place? That... Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there are, there are like, there are now VC funds and then companies that help other companies grow and uh, that they will sort of uh, do some of their calculations or help them to understand if their products are viable or if the, if the uh, service they're providing is needed. Um, I would really imply as much critical thinking as possible and really try to look through the perspective of the, of the devil's advocate, you know, really try to maybe see it from a different point of view and, um, and yeah, just sort of be mean, <laughs> be your mean twin and, and, and say, Hey, this is, this is, this is never going to work. Why? Or this can stand in my way or, um, uh, maybe somebody already did it, why they failed. Um, and I would definitely look more for why people failed, why something didn't work than just look at all the winners and awesome because like, yeah, you see all the companies that made it, but there are 10 times more companies that failed. And one thing I would definitely think about is who, who you hire, who you have your team with, who, who is the, the perfect person to, to go to the war with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe something as well that 
I don't know, maybe as a reflection I see when I am talking with startup founders, mainly in tech companies, is that, yeah, maybe you are doing something and I've been uh, guilty of that, is that I'm doing something maybe only because I like the technology, right? Or something like that, but then do, yeah, but it have no future or yeah, it's not validated market and so on. Or I don't even know the people who work in that industry, or I don't know how they are, right? So, mm-hmm. so maybe just as a matter of reflection, also maybe we need to ask ourselves, like, okay, if I see this in a horizon of ten years, is something I would like to do in ten years, like working not about the product itself, but more about the industry, the people involved mm-hmm. in the industries, and also the problem because. Maybe it's more about falling in love about the problems and the people working into that industry yeah. than because the product can change or you pivot anyway or you will change services or yeah, to other product right to fix something. Um, and you never know what's gonna change. I mean, look at the look at the AI. So many jobs are gonna change. So many things are you know companies are being being bought, sold, being oblivious. Um, I I mean it's a uh, we have this idea that entrepreneurship is like you have an idea and that's your baby and that's going to grow and then you become multimillionaire and then you're Elon Musk and you're there flying on your on your private jet. And a lot of the time I feel like people, for example, are doing a great job and they, they just don't want to sell. And it's exactly the perfect time. Like he sold, you know, PayPal. Like sometimes I know it's your baby, you love it, but it's time to let it go or it's time to sell it or it's time to come up with another idea. And as well, what I would do, I would never linger on the just the one idea or the one thing. I will try to always say, what more can I do? What are some of maybe the additional projects or where can this grow? Where can it fail? If that fails, what I would do? Because the you really never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So this idea of always being on top of your game um, and just sort of seeing it as from from far perspective that that's important. I'm not saying not laugh, don't laugh what you do, and don't don't be a little bit unobjective. I think that's important as well. I mean, your job is as well your baby, but uh, yeah, I think that a lot of us are just uh, loving what we do because it's a constant. It's not a it's not an objective reflection of what's happening. Yeah. It sounds good. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think it's of course this topic is really big, so we will maybe leave it till here. But um, maybe we need to do uh, in the future another session <laughs> talking about deeper in different topics, right? Um, maybe for for today, what I will do is ask you about yeah, if you have any other resources, books, or podcasts as you ha- we already kind of discussed it, but um. Yeah, can you mention some of these books that or now or in the past kind of helped? Yeah, but uh, okay, just let's let's simplify it. So maybe Mm -hmm. one or two that you believe have changed your life, apart from Mm -hmm. the end of procrastination book, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and I know the and I know the answer because somebody asked me, and I was really startled. But then it was quite easy, and I think that that so some things are going to change. Of course, I want to say Harry Potter here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain from that. (laughs) Two things. Um, um, Victor Frankl, Victor Frankl, uh, The Search for Meaning. Yeah, very easy book to read. Uh, read it. If you have not read this, re- if you have read this, read uh, Randy Pausch, the book called Last Lecture. Those are the two books about meaning, values, um, 
what to look for in life, how to stay humble, how to stay authentic. And on the other side, if I would have to go through something more of like a mainstream and something that really helped me business wise, I'm really going to come back to the Chris Voss and the book Never Split the Difference. Not only does he really nicely explain to you how communication work and how negotiation works, but it as well talks about um, um, some anchoring prices, what to sell things for, how to negotiate your own price, how to understand your worth and how to, in a very stressful situation, know how to react and at the end of the day business is business and business is money and is negotiation and sales process so more than all this learn how to say yes or don't leave without no or selling is human or whatnot um get the book never split the difference by chris was that to me is a is every entrepreneur's bible and it helped me a lot to negotiate the prices that that i deserve and i've learned how to say it humbly but firmly <laughs> no. yeah yeah i feel like Yeah, for, for negotiation, because uh, it's something, yeah, I, I watched the master class from Chris Boss as well, and it feels like you need to have that level of confidence that the customer feels so that he can kind of believe you, right? That, yeah, you are actually providing the value. yourself first, and I feel that's what Chris Boss teaches you, that mm -hmm. you, the confidence, yeah. the moment you fake it, you're not confident. The moment mm -hmm. you're confident is when you know, and I think that mm -hmm. he teaches you to understand your worth And, and what you know, and when, a, when, when somebody tells me, oh, we love your training, but your prices is twice as high as somebody else's. Yeah. And like, uh, why don't you buy a Nokia or Huawei or not buy an Apple? Okay. Again, I'm not saying that iPhones, I'm a sheep. So that's, that's hard. And they're not the best ones <laughs> in the universe, but everything has its price. And for example, when it comes to my training, I know that it's worth it. And I, I have the happy customers and the and the logos and the and the and the big companies. And at the same time, um, I can see how it really helps people in the long term. We've been doing this for well more than a decade now, um, and I think that those are the experiences as well because we work with multiple multiple companies. It's not just one client that we have. We've learned from them, and and we can help others, you know, with different examples and different case studies and. And so, yeah, so that's why I think that the, the Chris was book, this, this understanding your worth and knowing how to negotiate your price. If you already had a great product, that should be your next step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. So thank you very much, Adela, for your time today and all the recommendations and all the topics we have talked today. So I believe we have achieved the goal to initiate the process to remove procrastination for everyone life who are listening to <laughs> sorry so, for oversharing and too much information i get way too passionate <laughs> no that's good that you're passionate so it means that you are in your ikigai right so that's important <laughs> good. yeah yeah well thank you so much thank you so much for for having me uh for talking and for doing this podcast And, and just uh, for really researching your subject, I have been to maybe hundreds of podcasts and interviews and radio interviews. And you can always tell if somebody just is asking something random or something that they really care about. So thank you so much for caring for what you're doing. I highly appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I watched some of your videos. Of course, I couldn't see all of them, but that was important. And also, of course, going through the procrastination.com blog post was interesting too. I think I need to apply some of your tools and also go. I have your book actually, but I, I think I watched it long time ago and now I need, I have it at home in Sprinted. Yeah. So I need to to go back to it as well yeah go go i i think that honestly we have so many readers 
and people who bought our book and they kept on telling us, oh, I have your book, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it one day. I'm just, I'm working <laughs> on it. And I mean, they, they went, they went to our seminars. They did the online course that we have. So we have a masterclass for procrastination. You know, they, 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 they really went to webinars. They went to online training, offline training. So they know the whole book, you know, but they've never really read it. And I know that we have one guy who bought one of the first editions. So in Czech Republic, the book is out in like, I don't know, 15th or 20th reprint. Um, and he is one of the first edition and it's still laminated, you know, in the, in the foil. So I think that he, he wins the, the procrastinator of the, of the universe. But um, yeah. <laughs> okay. If any of you really want to want to help with the procrastination, go to the procrastination.com. And I've talked about some tools. So if you scroll all the way down to the down to the web page, there is something uh, called tools and materials where um, you can just have all the tools uh, for free. Start using them. Of course, if you read the book or do the masterclass, it's going to be much easier and, and it's, it's going to help you to put them right into practice. But if you just want to sort of test and see for yourself, I, I strongly suggest you, you do it and you'll, you'll see it, it's a uh, small steps with really huge impacts yeah it's always good to start so it's in the long term when you will change so it's it's not going to happen magically from one day to another right <laughs> sadly no <laughs> yeah there is no bottom remove procrastination yet in or <laughs> i'm so happy that would destroy my business see <laughs> <laughs> you're right i didn't think about that Or maybe you will, in the future, you will have other products that you will have that button. But yeah. it's just one time sale or a subscription <laughs> model, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So yeah. thank you, Adela, again. So uh, we will put the link to the procrastination.com uh, website. Or if people want to reach you out directly, is there a way to do it as well? Or yeah. Sure. Uh, very easily through procrastination.com. You have all those social networks, um, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. Um, or you can follow me. I would be very happy to connect with you on LinkedIn. My name is Adela Plesnik-Schicker. You can find the contact through the procrastination.com as well. Um, and if I can help with anything, anyhow, really do connect with me to LinkedIn and, and ask me. I have a, literally a weekly dedicated time where I reply to people who went to our workshops or who listen to some of our videos and uh, some of our clients. And I'm really trying to do my best to help them. So if I can, I would gladly help. Okay. So again, thank you very much. And well, have a good rest of the day and see you around. Thank you. Thank you. And have a good day, all of you listeners. <laughs> Bye. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. Feel free to share with your friends and looking forward to seeing you next time.